It's time to become a member of Playvolution HQ and Exploration's Early Learning. There's a free option and three paid patron-level options. All come with free stuff and ongoing automatic training and merch discounts. For as little as a dollar a month, you can become a patron. That supports our work and you get premium stuff like early access to fresh podcast episodes. Go to explorationsearlylearning.com slash membership or click the link in this episode's description to learn more. All the cool listeners are doing it. On with the show. Australia, the Nicole Halton. How you doing, Nicole? The, I'm great. <laughs> well, I'm great this week. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Let's before we get into our topic, let's talk about that. So you you had the COVID. I finally succumbed. It only took what is it? Just over two years, I suppose, since it first hit. So I I don't know. I, you might be the first actual human I know who's had the COVID. So um, oh, I was like that until not that long ago. I think until about December last year, I don't reckon I knew anybody who'd had it, like an actual human. Um, but December last year, it started to hit here. And I think now I feel like I know nearly everybody that's had it. Um, but yeah, my I think my downfall is that I finally went on a plane. Oh, that'll teach you. Yeah, that'll teach me. It's like two years since I'd been on a plane and finally get on five planes in the space of a couple of days and uh, five planes and four different airports. And I think that's probably what's done it. That's probably it. So how how was it? Uh, well, I think maybe a little worse because I'm an asthmatic. So I cough at the best of times. Uh-huh. Um, so the cough's been a bit awful and being really tired sucks. Um, so I'll probably finish this and just need a bit of a nap. Um, you might have to like, you know, give me a virtual nudge if I start to look like I'm nodding off. But um, but other than that, it's not too bad. My husband got it way worse. Um, he's been like barely able to move. Oh, and he's like not one of those, like, you know, I don't know if it's really a thing in the US, but in Australia, it's the man flu. And, you know, usually there's this big joke that men, you know, men get the flu so much worse um because they go down really bad but he's not usually like that but he did go down hard so what the two of you were down with it and then the kids are taking care of you or what was something like that yeah something like that it was pretty much like a lord of the flies situation (laughs) (laughs) it's like every man for himself so my son had it like four weeks ago and when he got it he was the only one in the whole house that got it nobody else got sick even though we were all in the same house as him and whatever and he was the only one that got it and we're like okay that's cool we've all like dodged a bullet and then this time I bought it home and then um, Aaron got it and then the two girls have gone on to get it but they're like not even sick at all you wouldn't even know they had it except for the occasional cough but other than that they're fine they're running around the backyard and still like asking for food every five minutes because they're on school holidays so they've spent their entire school holidays at home in isolation <laughs> oh, oh that sucks well uh, congratulations I, I well I, I don't know it does feel like a little bit of a milestone it's like somewhat of an achievement I finally did it after 
couple of years of this COVID thing being around, finally got it. You should get a tattoo or something to commemorate yeah, it. I, but maybe, maybe that could be the first tattoo is yeah. I survived COVID. Yeah, yeah, maybe. I don't yeah. know. But anyway, we're contemplating whether we now like just uh, before the next uh, mutant strain of COVID arrives, we think we might just sell up our house and like go off the grid. Sure. Somewhere where it can't get us. Yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. sure that'll work. I'm sure that'll work. <laughs> All right, so we're talking about uh, something that came up in an article you wrote for the uh, Inspired EC blog a while back, three things to consider before displaying a child's artwork. Did I get that right? Yes, that is correct. Um, so we actually, we put it on our Instagram and it was just like one of those little graphic-y features and it kind of took off. Like a lot of people really seem to resonate with it. Sometimes you can put things on social media and you think, did anybody see that? I don't know. But other times it's like, oh, yes, lots of people saw that and lots of people, you know, kind of resonated with it. Something about it hit home. And um, it's one of those things that's always been a bit of a bugbear for me. Like when I visit um, early childhood services and there's artwork displayed and um, there's my biggest issue is where is it displayed that's probably my number one thing but and that's actually one of the three things so do you want me to kind of go through the three things yeah let's go through it and, and, okay. and chat about it so the first one was have you asked the child if they're happy for their work to be displayed so this is a I mean what this really is this is this is a opportunity to practice consent right yes uh, absolutely we're, we're, we're living in this world where consent is is something that's really important, and and yet in the early years, I mean, kids probably feel a lot of the times. I know I did it as a kid that you're just kind of told what to do, and you don't really have a whole lot of choice in the matter, and and that's that. And I mean, in some cases, that's probably a good thing. I mean, no, you can't eat canned frosting for dinner every day of the week and and yes you have to put pants on to go outside and and those <laughs> kind of things socially there, expected <laughs> yeah there need to be some 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 definite guidelines and rules for kids of course but there are opportunities for them to to practice decision making and and practice giving consent or not and, or and not, whether the yeah. artist displayed is one of them huh and i think that's one of those big things we've got to be prepared that they may say no and I think even though consent's become a really kind of big talking point, I think there's a lot of educators who say, oh, you know, I, I really encourage children to have a voice and all this. I still think there's a lot of educators that aren't prepared for the child to say no, because yeah. a lot of the times children do say yes. You know, it is exciting. Like, yeah, I want to put my work up on the wall. Okay, great. Yeah, happy. No worries. But then there's that child that says, actually, no. And I have come across educators who really don't know what to do when that happens. Like when the child says, no, I don't want you to put that up on the wall at all, ever. <laughs> no, I'm going to take it home. And you'll find I've actually seen, and I mean, it's kind of a different thing, but I've seen children who, you know, an educator has taken a real interest in the artwork that they're working on and said, oh, we'll be able to display it and blah, blah, blah. And before you know it, the child's like, you know, when it's a painting and they end up covering the whole sheet in either brown or yeah. they'll cover the whole sheet and then fold it together and so it's like a smooshed up bit of nothingness that you really can't display and I think that's kind of like a sometimes it's a bit of a fuck you like you're not, you're not displaying my artwork <laughs> yeah yeah and and I've seen adults so a kid will say no and then the adult will be like 
well, everybody else is, and oh, it yeah. looks so, it's so pretty, and your mom will love to see it hanging up there, and, and so it's almost, it's, well, not almost, it's exactly this peer pressure kind of thing that. Well, it uh, is, and, and that's the sort of thing that, you know, like these conversations around, like, consent and, you know, building consent as a practice, I suppose, for children, that, for me, I can't comprehend how when a child says no, you then want to try and guilt them into it or pressure them into it because you think about that as, you know, that child at 15 and someone saying to them, go on, everybody else is drinking. Just, oh, why would you not? You know, everybody else is doing that. You know, aren't you good enough to do that? Or like, you know, oh, wouldn't it be fun? Or, you know, wouldn't, it's that same thing. It's just a different topic. And I think, you know, it's like, we've got to have both sides of that consent conversation it's like yes it's one thing to actually have that conversation with a child but then what do you do when they say no you know what's that next step and how do you respect that consent or lack of consent yeah yeah and I think a piece of this also is is just respecting the child's ownership of what they created yeah and I think that's that's kind of important too because you know we're living in a world where I mean we're, we're living in a in an age of creative problem solving and in in the future work world to to some extent everybody's going to be in involved in in creatively solving problems i mean if you're working yeah. in a if you're working in a, a, a Home Depot here, Bunnings over in Australia, and and somebody comes in and a customer comes in and they need need help finding something, the the way you go about creatively engaging them and making it a good experience for the customer and all that kind of stuff, that's 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 part of part of who you are, as yeah. as, as is your artwork. And I, I I'm, I'm I'm maybe kind of stretching the connection here, but being able to to have ownership over your own creations and your own thoughts in your own way of way of, way of doing things it's it's kind of um i mean their artwork is kind of an extension of them and they should have possession of that well it's respecting that process too the fact that they didn't create the artwork with the intention necessarily of displaying it and you know i'm i wouldn't consider myself um artistically creative creative at all but I write and i write a lot of stuff i write a lot of non-fiction and i learn write a lot of fiction and my fiction in particular, you know, I'm much happier to share my nonfiction writing, my stuff about early childhood or about parenting or whatever, because that's just, it's real, I suppose. It's tangible. Whereas my fiction writing is very much a personal, creative, imaginative thought process. And I don't always write, well, I don't write for other people necessarily. Like there are some times when I've submitted things to, um, to be published or whatever and that I, I do that knowing that I've made that choice to have that creative stuff shared but then there's other stuff that I've written that I'm like fuck no I'm not sharing that like not a chance now now I have questions and you can <laughs> th- th- your answer can be totally be fuck right off but uh what kind of fiction oh, a bit of everything I write a lot of short stories and I've had a couple published um and they just tend to be kind of, I don't know, they're definitely not, they're not really genre specific. They're more general contemporary kind of fiction. So not, not sci-fi. Are there, are there any robots? Lord, no. 
No, oh. there's no robots. There's no robots. There's nothing, nothing sciencey, nothing fantasy based. My son's very disappointed because he loves like dragons and fantasy worlds and whatever. And he's like, why, why can't you write that stuff? And I'm like, because I don't like that stuff. Are, are there, are there well-built guys in kilts whose shirts happen to fall off? Not yet, but that could be a good plot. Uh huh. Uh huh. Okay. Yeah, we, could, okay. we could go there. We could go Let's there. See. That's the game. Is there is there any fan fiction aspect to any of your fiction writing where you're taking characters from uh, no. from TV shows and movies? Like like uh, you write you write fan fiction where uh, uh, Yoda ends up dating Chewbacca. I I don't know. No, but funny you mentioned that. Actually, my son's just started writing fan fiction. He's right into it, <laughs> and he's like trying to explain to me. He's like, so. I'm going to do some writing in the holidays. I'm like, okay, cool. And he's like, it's fan fiction. You probably don't know what that is. It's like, who do you think I am? I'm not a hundred. Like I know what fan fiction is, but no, I don't write fan fiction. Okay. Well, now I'm very interested in. I can send you something that I've actually had published. But then again, if there's there aren't any dragons, I, I don't I don't know. Okay. But I am kind of yeah. interested though. Um, so that's <laughs> cool. Uh, we got to get back on topic. Although we can spend a whole topic. episode talking about. Do you have a pen name? No, I just write uh, under my own name. Okay, that's uh, very very uninspired. Very much just this is my writing. That's it. And it's for you, and it's uh, and and it's it's your thing, and and whether you share it or not is is your thing, just like the, yeah. the kids. The kids it is. Artwork it's to very bring us back on topic. Yeah, it's personal, and I think that's what we miss sometimes with children is that they actually have things that are personal too. Some of the stuff yeah. that they draw or they write, or you know, like I, I know even with my own kids, like my two youngest girls love to draw and write notes and whatever, and they both have like little journals that they do all of that in and I, I don't pick it up and read it or look at it unless they show me because it's personal you know it's something that they've chosen to creatively express and I think they should have the choice whether that's shared or not shared yeah yeah uh, Tasha's been like journaling for every day for for years now and uh, and it's always laying around and uh, never picked it up never opened it up because because I I respect her too much to do something like that and yeah. and I think we should have that that same that same respect for for the kid stuff and that consent yeah. comes, comes into play there um any other any other thoughts on this one before we move on to the next one no I think that's the main one it's just the yeah check that they actually want to display it and how they want to display it and you know that they, that that's okay it's not just a, a, the assumption we shouldn't yeah. just make an assumption that hey you've created something and now I can blue tack it on the wall um so the next one was have you shared the story of the child's process and not just the end product so for me like I always think if you're going to go to the effort of displaying children's artwork then What's the process? What's the story behind it? I love to see photographs of them actually engaged in it. I love for to read a child's words about what they've created, you know, like they can actually tell their own story. Like this is, you know, an elephant and the elephant is doing blah because I wanted it to, you know, whatever. Tell the story because otherwise it's, you know, I, I think it loses some of that that importance or that, I don't know. I think if you're going to bother displaying it, then let's see what happened and how we got there. It's that whole process over product kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, especially if this is a, a product. Um, I mean, the, the display is a finished product, but if you're, if you're hmm. in a, a process focused 
program recording in some way what the process was to come up with that product is kind of I think more more respectful maybe yeah. to to that that um that that process piece and because it's it's really easy to gloss over that and have I don't know a dozen and a half penguins hanging on the wall that yeah. that uh, that may or may not look alike and it's just oh here's the penguins but when you tell that story it's kind of it's kind of showing respect for the process it's showing respect for for the the skills or lack of skills the child put into the process but it's 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 showing respect for the whole the whole doing of the thing which and is which it, is important it communicates more to families and i think a lot of the reason why we display children's work in our spaces is because we want to share that with families who didn't get to actually see the work being done so i think if we're going to go to that trouble of doing that then make that meaningful and share that story you know we get we get the the privilege of being like privy to that when it actually happens so you know if i'm watching a child you know working on a oil pastel drawing or something i actually can see that whole process i can see how they went from a blank page to what they've ended up with the parent walking in and seeing the child's artwork on the wall hasn't seen any of that and so i think if we're serious about making children's learning visible to families and you know and that's such a big part of play-based education and you know really if you know, this is definitely a tangent but we often say we want families to understand why play is so important and why we don't sit down and have these formal structured you know here we're going to do flashcards of abcs and whatever if we want to do that then we make that learning visible we can see it because we're here we're watching it unfold but families can't see it because they're not there. And so I think if we actually slow it right down and can unpack that story of how the child got to this, and as you say, the skills that might've been involved and those sorts of things, I think we give more, more meaning to that to families rather than, oh, that's a pretty picture on the wall. You yeah, know, it's like, yeah. it's actually telling a story. Yeah, and, and that's, that's what it can be. It can be sharing that narrative of, of what the child has to say about their creation. Um, hey, this is a purple cat and Tiffany made it when after we read uh, Brown Bear and she got really into she really liked the idea of purple cats. And so she spent the whole day creating this purple cat and it, she she spent 20 minutes mixing up this this specific shade of purple and she had to keep running over to the book and checking it out to see because she wanted to match the the book and, and on and on. Hmm. Um, it's, I mean, it's and if you of, didn't have that story, all you see is a purple cat. Yeah, yeah, and so that that's a that's an important piece, and 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 you're right. The the parents being able to to see that and share in that process is is a valuable just a little bit for them. It's it's. I mean, they say a picture's worth a thousand words, but you know, twenty five thirty words here and there might might be of of value as well. And that's it. Like I I often sort of think about that saying because you know I'm a lover of photos and you know like I do think that that a picture can tell you so much but then sometimes I think you do need to go that little bit deeper and I think you know particularly with children's artwork to have you know I love to see a process I love to see photos of them actually engaged with that and you know I I just think it shows so much more and you know you'll have people who say well that's not what happens with a real piece of art in a gallery, for example. But sometimes you do at different exhibitions, you'll see those behind the scenes kind of 
images and you'll have you know you'll see a story that of what what might have inspired the artist or whatever and I love that behind the scenes stuff it actually enables me to engage with the art so much better I understand better why the person painted what they painted or you know whatever because there's a whole story that goes with it yeah yeah uh the okay so the first one seems like that's that's pretty doable asking the kid permission that that's not a lot of that doesn't take a lot of time this one seems like there's a there's some some there's some work there yeah and and so there might be some pushback because hey you got to keep all these little people alive and fed and and all that kind of stuff so finding the time for for this step might might well I think it's it's about putting your focus on quality rather than quantity. So rather than having 45 penguin pictures up on the wall, and I mean, look, we're probably not going to have penguin pictures here because we're not really into penguins. It's a little bit hot for the penguins here. But, you know, 45 kangaroo pictures, for example, you're not going to, I'm not going to spend my time blue tacking up 45 kangaroo pictures, but I might spend my time on, you know, the child who's been engaged in something for like, two hours and they've you know really put some time and effort into it I would take some photos of that I would write that story and have that conversation with them it doesn't need to be you know I, I think we see sometimes I can remember um, when I was first introduced to some of the stuff that was happening in Reggio Emilia in Italy and you know they were creating these incredible documentation panels and everything was so detailed and beautiful and you know perfectly done and I think I felt a lot of pressure then to create things that look like that I don't think you need to do that it's the story behind it it's the meaning behind it so it's not necessarily about going and spending hours typing something up so it looks perfect but just we used to keep um, little cards in our art space back when I was in a service we used to keep these little cards and the children would be able to you know write their name on it for themselves if they could and yeah. you know then I'd say do you want to tell me something about this you know do you want to tell me a little bit about your story and they would and I'd just write it down on the card and then we could actually take it over and stick it up like you know or I could print a photo out later and stick it up um, we had a wall where we had lots of empty um, frames and so and they didn't have glass in the front but we could take the frame down off the wall, blue tack the artwork into inside the frame and then put the frame back on the wall. So it was like a gallery. We could then stick the thing underneath. Like we made it simple. And I think yeah. that's the thing. You've got to set it up so that it's easy. It's not time consuming, but it, I don't know. I think anytime people push back on, oh, we don't have time for that. I want to push back again with what are you spending your time on? Because I think there's some shit that people are doing that they're spending time on that is far less important, you know. Yeah. And sure, keeping the tiny humans alive is really important. So, yeah. you know, we don't want to stop doing that. Um, but like trying to get, you know, 20 children all to sit and do a, you know, forced music group time that nobody really wants to be a part of, I could think of better ways to spend my time. So what would you do, Nicole? Do you, is, is, is this another place where we're asking for permission? Can we write that? Can we share next to your picture? Your Absolutely. Thoughts about it? Or, I mean, so they might, yeah. it might be, they might say, Hey, yeah, you can hang my picture up. I don't want to tell anybody. But I don't want to, yeah. I don't want to say anything about it. And it's like, that's okay. No worries. We'll put it up. Um, I think it is, it's all, it should all be a collaborative conversation with children. Yeah. You know, it should all be something that we're, you know, we're negotiating the whole way through just because they give you permission 
to hang it up doesn't mean that they want you to put up photos of them or to write their story or to, you know, it, it is that conversation the whole way along. Yeah, and that, that's that's kind of real conversation because in in, in a lot of pro in a lot in too many programs, the conversation with with kids is adults asking them questions they already know the answer to. Yeah. Uh, what color is that? Well, you know it's green. You know. Yeah. 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 And so this is this is question you're asking questions you don't know the answer to. This is this is authentic conversation, and um, that's that's probably more valuable when it comes to to learning language skills and those kind of things as well. Well, and it's that little bit of curiosity on behalf of the adult too. Like I can't stand asking questions that I already know the answer to. Yeah. Like that's not exciting at all. You know, I I actually want to know, you know, why did you choose to use that particular color or what what made you pick that that bit of material or you know, like there's I I want to know something that I didn't already know. Yeah. Before we before we move on to number three, I got I the, there's penguins in Australia because because we're, we're in where was it um, Melbourne? There's that place you can go out there, and then there's that <laughs> sign that says, "Hey, don't go out there. That's where the cute little penguins are." There's fairy penguins. Yes, yeah. there is, you are correct. Melbourne's cold, so that's that's Melbourne's excuse. They yeah. have got penguins because it's cold, but they are like little tiny fairy penguins. I've actually been there and done that, and they all come up onto the beach at night. Okay, because I've looked for them and I never saw. I, I think that's. I think it's a lie for the tourists. Right. It's de- I'm, glad, I'm glad you, you got to see them. You sit on the beach really quiet at nighttime, and they all come out of the water. They're very cute. Oh, they they're like del- teeny tiny. Do they look delicious? Not quite. No. I'm gonna have to look them up because. That's the good they're looking. Cute. Yeah. So then they're delicious. <laughs> Maybe. If they're cute, they're delicious. Oh, what's, <laughs> the, what's the third one? Okay. So the third one and the third one's my favorite one. So it's uh, where will this be displayed? So we're thinking about where are we actually displaying it? And my big thing here is that I walk into a lot of services and the artwork is displayed at my height. Um, which granted that's not very high, but it's higher than the children. Um, sure. It's, you know, it's put a good, uh, I'm going to talk feet. So let's say six feet off the ground. And the reason I hear for that is because we don't want the children to wreck it. And I'm like, I've got multiple issues with that. So first thing is I think, who are we displaying the artwork for? And so, yes, sometimes we're displaying the artwork for our families. As I said before, we're wanting our families to engage and to see the value and what children are doing in their play. But I think a large part of who we want to display it for is for the child themselves, the individual child, but also the group. And I think it's important for children to be able to engage with their own work or with the work of their peers or to be inspired by that, to be able to go and have a closer look, to revisit and, you know, go and see what they did last time and what they might then do this time. And I think if something's six foot off the ground, then that's very difficult for small children to do. And, you know, I, I think there's, there's ways that we can display children's work at a level that's suited to them. Yeah, um, back in, in my, my center days, we just had some uh, plexiglass panels low on the wall. Yeah. A couple screws to take them out and you get them out the stuff behind that. But then the other thing is, um, so the kids rip it off the wall, so what? It's there, I mean. Yeah. 
you're, look, that stuff's going to come down um, eventually anyway, because you're going to want to put new stuff up. And kids are, if you have a real process art center, kids are constantly creating stuff. And so yeah. if something's up for a day and a half and then it gets pulled down and then, oh, that's Kevin's and it goes into Kevin's cubby. And then Kevin can decide whether he wants to throw it away or give it to Kimberly or take it home with him or whatever. And then there's place on the wall for somebody, somebody else's thing. It's not like stuff is going up for, for 15 Forever. years or something. Yeah. And I think too, like there's, it's one of those things that how do we teach children to respect someone's work if we don't give them the opportunity to respect someone's work? You know, it's like, I think Alfie Cohen says about, you know, we only get children to follow directions by giving them the opportunity to follow directions or, or, you know, like something along those lines. I've completely butchered that, but it's that, you know, unless they've given the opportunity then they can't learn it. They're not exposed to it. And so I think putting them, putting artworks down lower, children either will be respectful because innately I think they do want to be respectful. I don't think it's that many children go, look at that piece of shit on the wall. I'm going to go and rip that up. Like there's not that real, I don't know, I think they genuinely don't want to do that. It's usually accidental or that... You know, I, I just wanted to take it down or I'm like nine months old and that's what I do is like pull bits of paper yeah. or whatever. So I don't think there's an innate disrespect there. But if we don't give children the opportunity to engage, then we're missing a really big opportunity. Yeah. Another thing we did display wise is for, for smaller things. I mean, it wouldn't work for big creations or 3D stuff, but we just had three wing, ring binders with the clear sheet protectors yeah. in it that you could slip stuff into. And then those were those were on a shelf and kids could take them out or parents could take them out and browse through things that way. So that's kind yeah, of. Yeah. And I think that's it. It's about being creative with it and, you know, putting things, smaller things in photo frames that might sit on a shelf that you could actually yeah. go and pick up and sit down and have a look at. Um, we used to do a similar thing where um, we had uh, display folders that, you know, children could store their art stuff in. Um, we also had some children who had like a blank um, art book and they used to do a lot of their creating in that art book and then they all went on the shelf and they could go and get them from the shelf and look through them and, you know, add to them and all of those sorts of things. So I think it's that, you know, looking for different ways of displaying things that aren't necessarily, it has to be stuck up on the wall with blue tack, but also remembering that, you know, we need to, we need to make things suitable for children. Adults can usually bend to that. You know, like if, if there's an artwork displayed at a child height, I can get down on the floor and have a look at that artwork. It's much more difficult for the child to get six feet up to be able to see where I've stuck it on the wall for the adult. Yeah, especially if they get scolded every time they crawl up on something. That's right. They get a yeah. chair. so they and, and that's it. You see that happen where they'll go and get a chair or something to try and stand on it to be able to see it. And then it's get down off that chair. Yeah. You know, it's like, well, hang on. I'm just trying to look at this like this thing that you've displayed that's mine I want to look at it and now I can't you know yeah. you've put it up so high that I can't actually see it so I think that's a really big part of it is you know just being mindful of who you're displaying it for what's the purpose and I think if you go back to the fact that you've asked the child for consent then that's got to be a huge factor in them they've chosen to display it then they want to see it too 
Yeah, I, I, going back to the first one, asking them for permission, I, something else I thought of that, that kind of falls in there is it also that that becomes a moment where they are kind of doing a little bit of self self assessment as well. Yes, yeah. that is something that is share worthy or no, I didn't really work. Uh, that's not my best effort. I don't want to share that. And so it's that kind of uh, differentiation between between something that's maybe share worthy or not. And, and that that's just kind of yeah, a, a think thinking thing. That is, it's a good reflection for children to be able to do that. And I think to add to that and to also tie in with the displaying thing, like we tried to create spaces where children could be in control of displaying their work. So they could actually go and see that there was an empty frame on the wall, take the frame down, put their artwork in it and put it back up. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's that element of, they didn't even need us to do that for them. That's a yeah. whole choice in itself is I'm, I'm ready for this to be displayed. I'm going to display it like this. This is where I'm going to put it. And, you know, I think that gives that ownership, you know, back to the child of that's, that's my choice. That's my choice to share it. And that's how I'm going to share it and where I'm going to share it. And then I'll decide when I want it to come down again. Sure. You know, just I'll, having, I'll having those tools out. available, the, the tape or the tacky stuff or whatever you're using, just having yeah. that available and, and, uh, you know, then, and sometimes then, we need to then let go of it, not looking the way that we envisioned maybe, sure. you know, I think sometimes as adults, we get very hung up on it, you know, everything being like stuck up straight and, you know, in a particular order and whatever. And I think we need to let go of that a little because it's not ours. And that's another thing I wanted to touch on. What do you think about, you know, one thing I've seen, seen at programs is the, uh, the adult will, will modify the artwork in the process <gasps> no. of displaying it. So they'll, they'll take like the, the scissors that cut the zigzags or the, or the waves or anything and cut the, cut that out. Or they'll, they'll, no. add, they'll add a construction paper border or frame to it. It makes me want to cry. It makes me want to cry. It's like, it's kind of like when I get my when I get my writing back from an editor and they've like red penned it and I think fucking no I'm not prepared for this I'm like you feel violated like no I worked so hard on that and you've just and I mean look that's an editor's job and they always do it for the best but as as an educator I think what's our intention like what what was the purpose and I think even writing a child's name on their artwork I find is intrusive and you know I I will often encourage children to put their name on there somewhere. You know, can you, is there a spot that you want to put that, put your name, you know, maybe you want to put it on the back or maybe you want to put it down in the corner. And sometimes we might look at how some artists sign their work and, you know, and we'll talk about why that's important. Why would you want to do that? You know, is it because there's that sense of ownership? Is it so that, you know, if you leave it here tomorrow, somebody's going to know it was yours and it's not going to get thrown in the recycle bin or, you know, whatever that reasoning is. But I think that needs to be a conversation with a child. I've seen so many educators and look, I probably did it to be fair. When I was a young educator, I reckon I probably did that too, where I'd come up and see a child painting and just grab the you know black texter and write their name and the date up in the top corner and the number of times that a child would like scribble over it or paint over it or glue something over it. And, you know, that for me is a really big lesson. Like, I think, you know, they're actually clearly communicating with you. I don't want you to do that. And yeah. why do I think that I would have a right to do that, to actually make a mark on their work? And, you know, I would never now, I would never touch a child's artwork without their consent. 
Yeah. And, and there might be a listener or two of us thinking, oh, why, why are you making such a big deal yeah. out of it? It's just a, it's, it's just, just a fish or something, <laughs> but, but you know what we're, what we're all about, or we try to be about, and maybe not all about, cause we do goofy dumb stuff on this show too, but you know, it, it's about reflective practice and, and just taking, you know, these, these three kind of tips when you're, when you're looking at your artwork, it's an opportunity to step back and reflect about the, the way you engage with the things kids are creating. And, and that's probably a, a worthy way to spend a bit of your time. Yeah, I think so. And, and that's it. I think there are, there's definitely some people who would hear that and go, oh, it's all a bit much, like, you know, not writing the child's name on the artwork or, you know, asking for their consent, whatever. But I think it's, I I think we can all do better all the time. You know, there's always something that we can look at and go, you know, and I, I often will look back at that and the, and the fact that I used to write a child's name on their artwork without even asking them and then get frustrated when they'd have painted over the top of it. I can look back on that now in hindsight and go, that was sort of shitty. Like that that's not practice that I'm proud of. I'm far more comfortable with what I'm doing now. But that's not to say that in five, ten years' time from now, that may not change again there might be something else about what I've even just talked about now that I go oh I wouldn't do it quite like that anymore and I think the day you stop asking those questions of is this the most respectful way is this the way that honors the child you know and their rights and their play and all those sorts of things I think if you stop asking those questions even though sometimes you don't like the answers when you do ask them then I think you've kind of given up yeah, well, and I mean, the other piece of it is if it does seem like too much work to ask for ask for permission and be thoughtful about where you hang stuff and and kind of tell the story of the artwork, you totally you totally create an environment where you totally leave it up to the kids like you talked about. Yeah. And and then you don't have to do any of it. The kids are doing it all. Which yeah, you got to relinquish a bit of control. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so so actually these steps are are just kind of a a a stepping stone towards getting to a place where the the kids are in total control of the whole process. That's right. And they then, don't actually need you to do it for them. They've got it. They've got yeah. it under control and they can do that. Yeah. Any other thoughts before we wrap this one up? No, I think that's it. Um I always say no and then say something else, but no, I'm going to say no. Are you are you going to read some of your fiction to us at the beginning of the next episode? No. Okay. Well, <laughs> honest, actually. I could, hey, I, look, I could definitely send it to you, but I, this is not a chance I'd read it out loud. Not gonna, we can't do a dramatic reading on the podcast? <laughs> it could be entertaining. How about this? You send me something and then I will share it with some of the other hosts and then we will do a dramatic reading and then you will get to listen to it at some point in the future when you don't expect it. <laughs> Okay, that sounds like that sounds like fun. Um, hey, listeners, you need more Nicole in your life? Go to inspiredec.com. She's all over that website because it's her freaking business. Um, you looking for more of me? Well, you can. I'm on the internet, kind of sometimes. <laughs> I mean, not as much as I used to be, but I'm out there. Hey, thanks for listening. Yeah, I can be found. Back soon with another episode. Bye bye. Bye. Well, that was a fun one. That was a good one. This has been an Explorations Early Learning Upstairs Studio production. Oh.